Well, anyway, guys, um, I appreciate the conversation about Keith and I's height, but I think we'll move on a little bit, if that's okay with you guys, um, to our uh, to prepare for our topic this morning, um, which is presence, and it's part of our uh, 5P strategy. I know 5P strategy sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? But um, and we're gonna. We're going to come back to that, but before we, I just want to introduce the topic of presence and remind you that it's the fourth step in our five-step strategy, and all of them begin with P, they alliterate, and I'll, I'll review them here in a minute, or I'll ask you guys to review them with me. But before we get to this morning's topic, I'd like for us to spend just some time in uh, in in praise. Um, I, Hey, don't worry, I'm not going to bust out that guitar and try to sing something, okay? Alright, that you guys know that that would be a disaster. But what I would like for us to do is just to just make some declarations of praise this morning. You know, um, and let's just do it this way. Let's just, let's just say, speak out loud God's attributes that call forth praise. He's, you know, God is worthy of all of our praise. Well, why? What are those attributes that are part of His character that call forth our praise? Just say that. Do you say faithfulness? Just. Being grateful. What are some things you're grateful for? My stretching studio. 
realized she could have dropped the class. So she was praying in essence. I'm grateful for y'all. You guys. I love you. James is not grateful for solid food. Yeah. Solid food. Uh, yeah. Grateful for the Lord's provision. Yeah, yeah. What else are you guys grateful for? Kayla having a new place. Yay! I'm grateful for that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for a number of reasons. One was that we got to use ropes and stuff to tie stuff on your truck. <laughs> that was the selfish reason I'm grateful. That was fun. Yeah. I'm grateful um, that my knees don't hurt this morning. Even though I played sand volleyball, they don't hurt at all. James, I'm grateful for Viking and I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not take any Viking. I took I'm broke. I'm grateful. grateful for pain reduction. I'm thankful that it's not been hot. Yeah. yeah it's been like really awesome. Just warm enough. But right. Yeah, you're right. I'm grateful for that as well. Like you can actually walk outside and feel refreshed. Four days. Right. Yeah, I was like, Joe's coming in three days, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe both, right? Yeah. Four days. Well, um, I'm grateful for God's presence. And with that in mind, let's talk about presence. Um, I, I said this was strategy four. In our five-part strategy, can anybody name the previous three? Keith, what's the first one? Proclamation. Proclamation. Is that prime and pump for anybody? Prayer, personal relationship. Okay, uh, personal relationship, prayer. Very good, yeah. So this is the fourth presence in our five. Anybody remember what the fifth one is? Plan patience. Very good, plan patience, right. So we talk about, we talk about, and what is strategy? What is strategy? What is the significance of proclamation, uh, personal relationships, prayer, presence, and plain patience? Very good. Way to go. That's my wife. Make sure that's my wife. Now on the recording, it was Judy Smith. Correctly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel. I feel a little silly this morning, uh, but I want you to know that this is not, I mean, this is not a silly topic. Not at all. Um, I'm actually very excited for us to talk about presence as part of our strategy. And um, what I think I'd like to do now is um, I asked several of you if you would be willing to read um, a passage of Scripture for me. And I can't remember who I asked to read what, but... Um, I, the person who I asked to read uh, Matthew 5, 1 through something, um, you're first. And then everyone else, obviously, you'll just, you'll just follow reading out loud um, after, you know, after the, you know, follow along in a passage that 
it, that precedes, directly precedes yours, when that person is done, then you begin reading. Everybody got that? Okay, and if I didn't ask you to read, it isn't because I lack confidence in your ability to read or anything like that. It's just there's only so many <coughs> sections and, uh, and, and everything. Um, and I know sometimes whenever you have to read or you're asked to read something out loud, you might be reviewing what you're supposed to read so that when it's your turn, you're ready. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to trust you've already done that, and, and please either follow along with what's being read or just listen very carefully. Okay? All right, so whoever has the first section, go ahead and start. Okay. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Pay friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid, paid up the last cent. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. 
It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by, earth, by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your, your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your, sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray them like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us, us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, 
your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed clothe the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you will not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. In which one of you, if his sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to, do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There you will recognize, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Um, this, uh, these, these chapters in uh, Matthew that we just read have a kind of a common name. You know what it is? What do we call it? Stern on the Mount, right. And I'm not going to suggest that the only thing the Sermon on the Mount is about is presence. I think that would be foolish on my part to say that's all that it's about. But I think it is about that. I, I think that that is one of the things that the Sermon on the Mount is about. And, and I want to focus in on um, Matthew 5, though we're going to refer to everything that we read, and I hope well, you know, one of the reasons we read the whole thing is because I wanted, I wanted you to have some context, but also I just wanted it to be floating around in your mind as we have this conversation about presence. But I want to focus in on Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I'm going to go ahead and read that again, and we'll talk about that a little bit. For you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In this in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, do, do you see how that passage of Scripture might teach us something about presence? Yes. Good. <laughs> I was hoping you. I, I was hoping somebody would see that. I, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. I mean. Um, what are some metaphors of presence that Jesus uses? Salt. He uses salt and light, and and, some, city on a and a city on a hill. Right. He uses salt, light, and, and a city on a hill. <clears throat> um, what are some characteristics that those metaphors have in common that teach us something about? Presence. I think one is visible. Um, presence, this, you know, being in the mix, okay? You know, being in the mix and in the world, in the culture, in the community, being present there. Uh, one of the characteristics of this presence that Jesus, at the very beginning, or almost the very beginning, of the Sermon on the Mount, and um, um, this admonition, this teaching about being present, 
one of those characteristics is visible. In, in other words, this presence that we're talking about, this being in the mix, being in the culture, is meant, intended by Jesus to be seen, to be heard, to be felt. And again, the metaphors that Jesus uses definitely um, uh, points to that, teaches us that. I mean, uh, think about salt. When he says, you are the salt of the earth. And I know that we could come up with all these characteristics of salt. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. Okay, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm saying I'm probably not going to do that here. <laughs> that's probably not what we're going to do here. I just want to think about salt in general. Do you know when something has salt on it? Yes. Yes. Do you know when something does not have salt on it? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, salt is very visible. Maybe not visible in as far as sight, but we can sense when salt is present. It has a... We just... You can taste it. Um, I mean, you can even taste it in the air, right? How many of you have been to the ocean and tasted the salt in the air when you're at the ocean? You know, isn't that kind of weird? But, I mean, it's, it's easily discernible. That's a very, it's visible to you. It's visible to your senses that salt is even in the air. And the same thing is true with our presence as Christ followers in our community, in our culture, in the world. That presence is meant to be, intended to be, very visible, just like salt is very uh, visible to us. Or a city on a hill. You know, the, the whole city on the hill thing is um, is the, the city built out of white limestone, the sun strikes the city that's on the hill. It, it, it just It's bright and white because of the limestone that it's built, built with. For me, another example of that is my hometown, Chester, Illinois. Um, Chester, Illinois, Rodney, Mississippi River, it's up on a bluff. And um, when you're traveling from the Missouri side, it's funny, you know, Chester's up on the bluff on, on the east side of the Mississippi, but on the west side of the Mississippi in Missouri, there's just this plain. That's all of the floodplain of, of the Mississippi River was in Missouri at, at that part of the river because Chester's up on this bluff. And, and I remember that the only movie theater nearby was in Perryville, Missouri. So, we, you know, we'd drive over to Perryville to go to the movies. And then we were coming back to Chester. You could see Chester miles away because there was this long floodplain leading up to the Mississippi River. And then all of the lights of Chester are up on this on this hill, up on this bluff. And it was just like, oh, you know, you know what? If, if, if someone blindfolded me, drove me across the river, and dumped me somewhere, I could always find my way home. Not that that ever happened. <laughs> Nor did I ever want that to happen. But, you know, I, mean, I could always find my way home. Um, because I, the city on the hill was very visible. And light. Just simply that illustration that Jesus uses of light. If it's dark, is light visible? Yeah, it dispels the darkness, right? I mean, there's no mistaking light. Isn't light kind of the epitome? That was a joke. Epitome of visibility? Alright? Does anybody agree with that or not? I'm still trying to figure out what epitome is. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. It was a little... I don't know. I can't remember who was watching 
Brian Regan with me. It was a comedian on Comedy Central. And anyway, he. I'll talk about that later. Uh, when we're not recording. But yeah, um, this visibility. Uh, and light is, is the epitome of visibility. I mean, we might define visibility with light, <laughs> you know, and, and so that's another metaphor that Jesus uses to talk about our presence and, and the fact that it's intended to be, it's meant to be, it's supposed to be, it's got to be, it must be visible. And, you know, there are some things about this visibility also that we need to um, consider. We, I think the fact that it's meant to be visible teaches us that we've got to avoid something, and that's the, uh, the, the holy huddle or the fortress mentality. And now let's. I want to be careful here, um, because um, we still need a community. That's clear. You know, we still have to live in community with each other. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to behave that way, and so we are going to gather together. But if all we ever do is gather together and keep others out, then we're not visible. We're we're being disobedient. We're not, we're not living the kind of visibility, the kind of presence that Christ calls us to. So we have to be careful and avoid the, the holy huddle. I was actually telling Judy a story last night about um, uh, my first week uh, on campus at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale when I first went off to college. Because, you know, we we're just going to talk about there's a, a member of our family. Uh, who's going off to college soon. And, uh... <laughs> they get an eye roll there, son. Yeah, I'm sorry. In the shape. In the shape. <laughs> and, and so Judy and I were just kind of talking about that, and, and I was just I was telling her how I really didn't like my first few weeks of college. I was alone, and I hated it, and all that kind of stuff. It was, just, it was miserable. I mean, I probably, you know, cried myself to sleep a couple of times, uh, honestly, during my first... A couple weeks of school, and the worst was orientation, freshman orientation. I lived at the Baptist Student Center. Okay, that was the dorm I lived in, and there was a bunch of other students who were there for orientation. So we had orientation stuff at the university, but we also had freshman orientation activities at the dorm. And I remember at the dorm, I found a few people. I tried to kind of befriend them and talk to them a little bit, and they were they talked to me and stuff. But they also already kind of knew each other, several of them. And one time in particular, we were standing outside of the Baptist Student Center, and and it was like this break after we had had some kind of orientation session. And I was just trying to talk with them, and seriously, they formed a conversation circle, a huddle, and left me out. I was standing on the outside and couldn't get in because they just, for whatever reason, um, I don't know, didn't didn't want to talk to me or whatever, and they just totally left me standing outside their little huddle. And here's the funny thing: they were all Christians, all Christian students who were heavily, who eventually became heavily involved in the BSU, the Baptist Student Union, um, and ultimately they became my friends. Uh, but at that time, they they had a huddle, and it left me out. Um, we've got to avoid that same mentality. That We've got to avoid the holy huddle, where we just gather with ourselves and don't have a visible presence outside of ourselves, and we keep others out. That, that's just unacceptable. Sometimes, also, it looks like a fortress. 
So sometimes it looks like a holy hill, sometimes it looks like a fortress. Like, okay, we're going to build our, our, our walls around the church, and we're going to keep the big bad world out. You know, um, again, there is times and places where we protect ourselves from the influence of the, the, the negative influence of the world. I mean, the scripture tells us we can't, we can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. We can't, we can't love God and love the world in a sense the world's system, its ways. Those can't be our ways and us still be walking in the light. We obviously can't do that. So there is a, you know, there's a balance, there's a time and a place to, to resist the world's negative, ungodly influence. But we can't build walls to keep it out. Because then we are failing in that area of presence. And then one of the things I think that helps us in being protected against the negative influences of the world is this third part of visibility. That um, this presence, this visibility we need to have in the culture and the world around us is, is a presence as a body or as a community. And I want you to think about, and we don't see this in English. In English we read, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. Um, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you see that you, or your, what do you think of? Oh, that's for me. But, I, and, and you can certainly look this up yourselves, and I encourage you to do so, but I also want to tell you that in, 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 in Koine Greek, the language of the New Testament, the, the New Testament is written in, this is an emphatic y'all. Yes. It's an emphatic y'all, or I guess... If you're from Chicago, use guys. You know, or or I guess, or, or what James Links is going to experience out in Pennsylvania, Ewans. Ewans. Yeah, Ewans. It, 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 it's, it's an emphatic second person plural pronoun. Here's why it's emphatic. How many of you have studied Spanish? Okay, alright. Okay, so... Um, you understand that those of you who have studied Spanish understand that the, the verbs in Spanish have endings. Mm -hmm. And the ending of the verb tells you the, the person and number of, of the subject. So, like, if I, Keith, if I wanted to ask someone, do you speak English, how would you say it? Hablo inglés. Hablo inglés. You don't have to say the the two or the no, stu. I said that wrong. Ablas. Okay, ablas. It's ablas ingles. Ablas ingles. The ablas is the verb for speak or say, but the 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 ending makes it second person. Okay, um, and. So therefore, you don't have to say the word you, which is either to or su, right? It's, mm -hmm. Isn't that the... Yes. But, but you don't have to say that. I don't, you don't have to say su hablas ingles, because you already... The you is already part of the verb form. Um, well, the same thing is true in Greek. In Greek, the, the, the verb, the, the person and number is determined by the ending of the verb. So you, you don't have to use the... the Per the pronoun, the second person plural pronoun, but yet every time here 
in this passage, when Jesus says you, he uses the pronoun, the, the second person plural pronoun, and the second person plural ending on the verb. So he is, it's, it's, it's clearly you all, all you all, <laughs> you know, you and you all, all of you all. I mean, it's, it's very emphatic. And I think that emphasis tells us at least a couple of things. One, that this admonition to being salt and light, the light of the world, this admonition to let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father. This admonition is meant for the collective. Oh, that's very Borg-esque, isn't it? <laughs> the collective. The, the community. The whole. Okay? Alright? Um, the body. Not just the individual, but the, the whole community of faith. Okay? Um, I think that's at least, that's one of the things, at least one of the things that that emphatic, all of you all, implies. So that, and think about that, if we need, you know, if we're going to be present out in the culture, out in the world, but yet we also need to guard ourselves and protect ourselves from the world's ungodly negative influence, as we have a presence as a community, as a body, um, as a collective, Okay, then there's that built-in accountability and, and, and guarding against the, the ungodly influences of the world. So, um, presence, visibility is one of those attributes of presence. But another is distinctiveness. Distinctiveness. Now, uh, there's a definition of, or, or some thoughts about distinctiveness. Okay, it's, you know, it's... Uh, uh, distinguishable or separate or what did I say or presenting a clear uh, unmistakable impression okay yeah present in other words you, you can't really confuse it with something else right okay I mean it's it, it is distinct distinguishable separate okay well that distinctiveness, that separateness, that distinguishing uh, uh, that, that, that distinguishing quality, I think it goes two ways. First, I think it, it, it's distinctive from the world. Okay? Um, it's, it's, it's different. And it's easily seen as being different. And it's different from something. It's, it's distinguishable from the world and its system, its way of thinking, living, doing. Okay, um, but also it's distinguished. It's distinct to something. It's distinct. It's it's distinguishable to God's character. It's also distinct in that way. Um, Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they what." Give glory to the heavenly Father. Give glory to God. Well, if they see our good works, they see Christ's followers living in such a way that they see those good works and give glory to their heavenly Father, what's that saying about those good works? It's clear that those good works are motivated by 
the Heavenly Father. It's clear that those good works belong to God. Those are God-like works. They, because God receives the glory for that. When, when men, outsiders, see those good works, they give glory to the Heavenly Father. Because they're distinct to God's character. Yes, they're distinct from the world, but they're also distinct to God's character. They, they are consistent with God's character. They are consistent with God's commands. They are consistent with the Godward life. And I also think that that, that, that emphatically second person plural um, you know, the, the all y'all, <laughs> the you-ins, the guys that Jesus uses here, I think that also not only does it speak to our community uh, the communal aspect of our presence, but I think it also talks to the, it speaks to the distinctive aspect of our presence. You, my followers, and only you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Okay, it's not it, it, it's 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 not others than only, it's it's the only you or you all. Now, the only Christ followers are the salt of the earth. You know? Muslims are not also the salt of the earth. It's not all religious people are the salt of the earth. Hey, you know what? It's not even Jews are the salt of the earth. It's Christ followers. You, my people, only you. That, I think that emphatic plural, second person plural pronoun there also speaks to distinctiveness. So, we have visibility and okay, visibility and, and distinctiveness, but also it's transformational. Okay? This presence changes things. And here's where I think the rest of the Sermon on the Mount really speaks to this. Think about all of those things that Jesus taught about in the Sermon on the Mount after he, he gave this admonition to be salt and light, a city on a hill, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and give glory to the Heavenly Father, to your Father who's in heaven. Everything else he teaches on, he teaches about how it changes, right? You've heard it said, this, 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 but I'm telling you, it's, it's more than that, it's different from that. You know, when he talks about anger, he starts with murder. He says, you've heard it said, you shouldn't murder, okay? Now, here's how that's transformed. That's transformed into, you can't, you, you don't need to be angry with your brother. You don't need to speak badly towards your brother. Forget the fact that you're not supposed to kill him. I mean, don't forget that. But yeah, that's true. But it's more than that. It's beyond that. It's transformed from that. And in every instance, Jesus took what the religious people of the day thought to be the truth, and he changed it and transformed it into something more. You know, he took the letter of the law and showed them the spirit of the law. Talking about about um, 
adultery. You know, you know, he talked about adultery, but he said, but I'm telling you, if you give somebody that lustful look, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a transformation from what the people thought before. In fact, they were like, oh, well, you know, not only... Here's how I can get out of the whole adultery thing. I can just give my wife a certificate of divorce. I can abandon her, give her a certificate of divorce, and I can move on, and I'm legal. You know, that's... I'm okay with that. Just? It's, yeah, somehow I'm excused, I'm exonerated, but now Jesus says, no. He transforms that. That is transformed. And this, so, this presence, you know, this being salt and light and letting our light shine, it's, it's transformational. It changes things, okay? And again, like I said, that's demonstrated time after time in what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I gave a couple examples that I saw. Um, what are some that you saw, some examples in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount of the trans- transformational power of Christ's presence? And I'm giving something else away about the transformational aspect of this presence. But what, what do you see there? Changes the way you pray. Okay, yeah. Transforms the prayer life. Because before, there's a certain way of praying, you know, that involved lots of, like, meaningless words, done in public so people could see and hear, and, and, and go, ooh, you know, what a great prayer, and all that kind of stuff. But now Jesus is saying, no, he transforms that. It's simple, earnest, and God-focused, and, oh, yeah, by yourself so no one can see. So it can't be for your glory. What else? Changes what you put value in. Pardon me? Changes what you put value in. Okay, yeah. Possessions. Okay, sure, yeah. Exactly. You know, where your where your treasure is, there your heart is also, and you know, and how that involves giving you the needy and all of that. Yeah. That's all transformed. Anything else? Well it seems like your perspective is changed. You know, I mean, if your focus is on things that are of God, then the way that we look at the things that are happening or, I don't know, whether those are good or bad or hard, you know, they our perspective is different than it would be without that. Sure. You're right. It, it, it transforms perspective. Mm-hmm. Which then obviously affects the people around us. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. As, and, and that's by design. That, that's by design. That's why, you know, presence is transformational. Just, you know, being in the, the community, in the culture, living out the kingdom life, you know, the kingdom of God life that, that, that is within us, transforms, you know, it, it changes lives. It, it, it changes families, communities, um, the culture, you know, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, lives, families, communities, culture, all right, and one more thing I want to say about transformation, the transformational power of presence, there's another reason why, and I kind of hinted at it already, why 
presence is transform transformative, transformational. It's Christ's presence. It's not just Jim's presence, or Chet's presence, or Judy's presence, or Redeemer's presence. It's Christ's presence. One of the one of the earlier on in our uh, our praise time, where we're making declarations of praise, and we were mentioning some of God's attributes. Um, somebody said omnipresence. And that, that, that means that God is always <clears throat> present. <clears throat> so in every time and in every place, God is there. He is present. Okay? And in a very real way, our presence in the community, in the culture, um, in the world, kind of reflects... God's presence. It's almost like our presence living it out as salt and light, as a city on a hill, you know, with intentionality, kind of focuses the attention that God is present. And it's God's presence. It's God's presence in Christ that transforms lives, that transforms families, that transforms communities that transforms cultures, okay? That transforms the world. Uh, now, thinking about presence as being visible, being uh, distinct, and being transformational, transformative, um, how do we do it? How do, how do we have a visible, uh, distinct, Transformational presence in in our community, and I'd like for us to spend a few minutes now discussing that. What does that look like for us? Let's brainstorm. Talk about Okay, uh, and and I would not disagree. 
here, here are here are a couple examples that, that I've been that I've kind of thought about. Uh, this one is one that's been on my mind for a long time. Um, you know, I guess is it the American Cancer Society or whatever? They have that Walk for Life, Relay for Life, Relay for Life. Okay, all right, and and that, and that's in, in Champaign Urbana. That's a pretty good deal. And uh, the way it works, you get a team together, and your team goes out and gets. Um, uh, thank you. That's exactly the word I wanted, and all I could think of was contributions, pledges for for a contribution. I could use both words um, uh, for your team for I guess how many miles you walk or whatever. And then what you when your team shows up to the event, and then there always has to be one person walking on the track. Okay, and that that's a that's a that's and it's a pretty big deal around here. A lot of people do that. Um, Cancer research is a worthy cause, isn't it? Why wouldn't we have a team? Why why wouldn't Redeemer have a team? And then maybe even do a little more with that presence, because and 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 and, and you know be a visible and distinct presence. And in addition to going to the event and raising money for a worthy cause that affects a lot of people, let's also minister to all the other teams that are there. You know? Um, by, I don't know, I don't know what. Uh, you, have, you have a camp that you set up to while you're there. Yeah, set up. And then therefore you can have a banner. Right, set up, set, up your, set up your camp, but hey, I mean, I'm sure the thing takes several hours, right? And it's all people, night, isn't it? It's all night. It's all night, and I think I'd get hungry. Would you get hungry? I think I'd take my grill and set up my grill and cook hot dogs all night long and just give them away. Hey, all the teams are welcome at the Redeemer Church camp, tent, whatever. We'll feed you, you know. And if you're walking, I would imagine you'd get tired. It would be nice to have a comfortable seat. Uh, you know, maybe we could... Borrow these couches, because I'm sure they're not all that. You know. <coughs> yeah, right. <coughs> you know, take these couches and set them up out there. You know, invite people to come and sit down and eat their hot dogs with us. You know, just whatever we can do to serve and minister to the other teams during the Relay for Life. I mean, I think that's a way to have that you know, very visible, distinct, and, and ultimately transformative presence. I think that's one example. And that's kind of on the bigger, more organizational side. But now here's one. Here's one that's smaller and easier. My neighbors across the street, I've mentioned them a lot of times, Jeff and Jessica Pickett. Um, they have a tree that's got limbs coming into the chimney on the roof. I have a chainsaw and a ladder. I think that it would be fantastic to have a couple, two, three of you guys come over and help me trim that tree, and also, okay, and I, I guess it's okay to give him a little bit of razzing about this, or maybe not, we'll see, but Jeff is afraid of heights, he's <laughs> a paid policeman, was in the army, <laughs> and he's afraid of heights, he's afraid to clean out his gutters because he doesn't want to get up there, let's go, let's, while we trim the trees, let's clean his gutters for so you guys can help me in a you know, be present to practice and promote the ministry of presence in my neighbor's lives by coming over and helping me do that stuff. And then maybe after we're done, we just have a cookout at my house and invite 
them over, and you guys, some of you guys would be there too. This is a way to get the, I'm not, okay, and I'm not saying that women, that you could not also help with those other projects. You totally could. I'm not saying you could. And I, I would have to see your chainsaw skills before I let you use my chainsaw. Same thing goes with the guys too, okay? Right. But, you know what I'm saying, okay? You know what I'm saying? That, so that's just maybe a couple examples. I think it's fascinating to look at where our larger community, this area, where they're hurting. Mm. Um, mm. You know, um, Good point. we need to find out if Restoration Art Ministries did close their doors and there's some other people that are not homeless. We need to see just how low that food pantry is running, but it was so low that they couldn't meet those needs. Mm. You know, um, we need to see if all the other ministries are now really stretched thin. You know, people are going to empty tomb, salt and light, you know, you know where? 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 Time center? What's the time center? Homeless shelter and Caesar Care Porter Okay. But that's a that's a place for us to because the because that's I mean it's the hurting people that are gonna be really responsible for those relationships and so we might need to check out and see. I agree. I think it's a good point. Another good example of a way to be present or practice presence. That visible, distinctive transformational presence. What are some others that you can think of? Let's let's continue to brainstorm because obviously some of the things we're talking about today are down the road. But some of them need to be this week. We need to find out for all those kids, um, those of us who are bargain shoppers and buy extra school supplies, if we can post some backpacks for some kids from the organization that does that. Some nice doing it. We've got a collection at the YMCA. Okay. Yeah, our our gym's in it too. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. Make a presence on quad day. Okay. Have a presence on quad day. That's that, that might be hard this year, but no, that's a good point. And since quad days on Sunday, you know, also making ourselves available to help people move in on the day. And the, I agree that that normally would be a good presence. Well, I'll, there's a little bit of a problem with that, and I hate to. I think it's a great idea. Don't get me wrong. And normally it's fine, but and we'd have to do it somewhere other than doors. Right. The university will not let groups help people move in unless they're high guys. I, I, from my days here, I found that out. I tried so many times, and the university has I guide student volunteers, and they, that's the only people they don't let churches and groups come and help move in. But we could do that in apartments. Yeah. You could, you know, like find out from the apartment, a very student-oriented apartment complex. Hey, when are most of your students come in? Our church would like to help. Like to help. Speaking of that, I, I want to give some examples recently of one of our sister churches. Um, sister church, sister, is that, is that how we refer to churches within our denomination as sister churches? Yeah, why are churches girls? Oh, because it's the bride of Christ. Never mind. That was stupid. I should have known that. Okay. Alright. Um, uh, church of the Cross. The church plant in Muhammad, Derek Baker, uh, who many of you guys know. Um, that last Saturday, they had their soccer 
tournament, Family Fun Festival, and I, I got to go help with that. Um, fantastic way to be present in the community. And every year that thing is getting bigger and bigger. And, and this year, I, I mean, I, I witnessed people coming up to Derek and saying, Derek, man, this is a great event. I'm really glad your church does this. This is well done. This is very organized. Man, this is a real, I mean, this is a really needed event. I want to thank you for doing it. I mean, that's having an effect. You know, uh, people are recognizing that. And then he had a mission team there from his old church in Kentucky, where he where he was when he was in seminary. A bunch of youth came, and, and on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, here's some of the things they did. Uh, they cleaned the laundry room at the apart uh, at one of the apartment complexes. Said it was nasty, and they just volunteered to go in there and clean it, and they did. And the the uh, apartment complex was like, wow, that's awesome, thank you so much. And they were just like. Now they have, they, they've opened the door for further ministry of presence. Because now that apartment complex is going to be more likely to let them do something else there. Um, the Candlewood, um, Candlewood uh, Trailer Park in Muhammad. This was really cool. They, they, they cleaned out two abandoned trailers and they cleaned out something else. One of the public spaces. Forgot exactly what it was now. I know they I know they did the two trailers, the two abandoned trailers, and they did something else. And um, the uh, the Candlewood trailer park gave them two hundred fifty dollars, and they're like, "No, we don't want it." Like, "Oh, really? You need to take this money?" Like, "No, really, we want it. It was a gift." And, and like, and finally they took it because the the trailer park was like, "No, we just want you to know that sometimes when you do a good deed, there's a reward." And they're like, "Okay, so here's what they did with it." They turned around and bought supplies to fix the Candlewood basketball court. <laughs> so they used the, they used that money to, to do some more service, and they they you know they, it's just a couple of examples of some things. They did several other things too um, that had like this immediate recognition, and I don't mean recognition as in all oh, you guys are great, but they were visible. It showed. Um, they, they cleaned a brush pile up in one of the parks, and it was right on the line between the park and a private citizen. And when the private citizen saw them clean it up, he was so excited he came out and gave everybody lemonade um, and talked to them and stuff and was really excited. And, uh, and then the park, the, the park district was really excited too, and apparently there was some debate over whose brush pile it was. Did it belong to the park? So was it the city's job to clean it up? Or did it belong to this private citizen? Was it his job to clean it up? And there was sort of this... And so they were peacemakers. They just went in and cleaned it up. And everybody recognized what they had done. It was very visible. Um, it was very distinct. Because they were like, well, we don't care whose mess it is, we'll just clean it up. That was distinct because... What was the world system there? Well, we're going to make you do it. No, we want you to do it. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's like, hey, we don't care. We'll just clean it up. You know, we didn't make the mess, but we'll clean it up. Um, it, so those were some, just some other examples that I'd like to affirm that they've done and get us thinking in maybe some of the same direction. So what else? What other ideas do you guys have? Can, can we can we covenant together to continue to think about that? I mean, this doesn't need to be the end of our, well, it better not be the end of our thoughts on presence. Mentoring um, was one that I thought of. 
mentoring. Yeah, getting because there are a number of mentoring opportunities around town. James probably could help us with that. I mean, I know he's going off to school pretty soon, but I mean, he uh, James had a, a social advocacy class at, at, in high school and um, looked at a lot of things like that around town. Like he, he so you probably do you know. A number of the mentoring programs around town. Um, okay, kind of. Kind of. Okay. There are plenty. I mean, and, and schools. There are schools that just totally um, want mentors. And one thing, you know, something that Phyllis brought up that might be a good way for us to approach. Instead of trying to get involved in every mentoring program around, let's pick one, and then let's let's all be involved in that one. You know, or as many of us as possible. You know, as as possible, be involved in that one. And not spread ourselves all over the place, but then, you know, if it's pick an elementary school, I don't know the names. King School. King School? That's one of the most elite ones. Okay, so King School. What if there were seven, ten, seven to ten mentors volunteering there, all from Redeemer Church? That would be a presence. Very visible, distinct presence. And ultimately, we trust transformative in the lives of those kids. Okay? Alright, so yeah, that's another good good point, good example. Anybody else? How about how about well I feel I would like to see us maybe even make a commitment to to practice presence very soon. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not let ourselves off the hook and say we'll just continue to think about this. I mean, um, I'd like to see us move towards a presence project. And again, we have a we have a regular daily responsibility to practice presence, um, guys. I think we have one with our men's Bible study gathering that we do at the morning cup and more. That's had an effect. On no, no one else, the owners, um, they've recognized our presence there, uh, and that's good. Um, and we want to think of other ways to do it. But um, as far as like, and we do need to daily, regularly, as individuals and as a community, find ways to practice this presence. But I know also sometimes we need to have a project. We need to be very intentional. Um, I'd like to see us have at least one project in the month of August that is a that is a promoting and practicing the ministry of presence. Doesn't, that doesn't then excuse us all from practicing this on a regular, weekly, daily basis, but I'd like to see that as a good starting point for us to have that. So can we... Maybe September. Do what?
I don't know. Like, it seems like it's good to have something like that that's more ongoing as well as maybe a couple of things throughout the year that are, you know. Sure. Does that make sense? Well, one thing we could definitely do is just volunteer time, like, at Salt and Life. I know that Scott needs help. Usually what groups do is they'll commit to saying this Wednesday afternoon this month. Third Wednesday of the month or something. Yeah, third Wednesday of the month from this hour to this hour, which it's not that long. You know, it's only a couple of hours. You should go over there and help organize. pass, you know, help organize, pass out food. You know, they usually on Wednesdays they have a, a devotion time. Somebody could lead that. Somebody wanted to, you know, play some music there or whatever. In addition to it, it's just that's something that we could easily start up as a church and just say, look, you know, this is what we're going to commit to is that we're going to send at least this many people once a month. And also, it allows opportunities for new believers or unbelievers to still go and serve with us and alongside us without having to be equipped to be somebody's mentor at that moment. Do you know, like something like that is nice. And also, we could do, whether it's backpacks or something else in August, to do that. Um, or, I don't know. Uh, they Scott said that they distributed to 300 families this last time they did food distribution. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so, I mean, that is one thing that is more ongoing. I don't know. Uh, I think those are. I think these are good suggestions. One of the ones it seems to me one of the ones that would be very easy for us to get involved with right away is the uh, school supplies, the backpack, packet, getting school supplies. I'm, I'm curious. Do we also need to provide the backpacks? Just depends on how you want to do it. Okay. I mean, usually. Some places will just have a big basket where you dump whatever you can and they assemble the backpacks. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there are some places well, where you kind of, they give you a list of things that need to be inserted into a backpack. But it seems like most places have been a big basket of stuff yeah. that they put together. Okay. Um, that, that one seems like one that, that we could very easily this If month. you, like, pick a school that you want to, like, possibly in the tribe, uh-huh. if you contact the school, then you can just, like... If it's a poor, like a poor, like neighbor's clothing, you just kind of get a backpack or supplies for them, and then they just have a backpack just to give to a kid. Oh, really? Okay. And it's easier for you to mention there if you already like, donate. Ah, James, very good point. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um. So then you would pick up the school supply list for whatever grade, for whatever school at Walmart right. or whatever, and then just buy whatever is on that so list, put in a backpack, and then. Yeah. Yeah. That and and that's great, and that. You say that made me think of something else. Another approach would be at that same school, maybe go to one teacher. Because I know a lot of times teachers collect school supplies to give to the kids in her class that need them. And so we could say, hey, our church wants to help your classroom. But also, it would be cool. I mean, I'm at the school as a whole and at the... The reason why I'm asking, I might have, any, I might have a, a way to get some um, sack packs. You know, the... The, the the drawstring bag it's, and I don't know if that would be quite enough for as long as they're big enough to hold a folder without it getting bent so they don't get in trouble for okay all right. Stuff, right good thing I, I might have an inroad to get some of those for free they say be the church on them and it's got a picture of a bumblebee oh, I know they're from Super Summer but they, they might be free oh, no. what would you think about that 
Because, like, I think it'd be cool to get some ultimate. Yeah, be cautious about that because if they give it to a child who is Muslim, that might cause problems at home. True. Yeah. You have to be, you know, you just have to be cautious. Not that you don't want to. I mean, you want to be resentful, like. Yeah. You just have to be cautious. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something to think about. Well, anyway, um, we're running out of time, but I also want to think about and uh, how how to have this presence in our culture and in the world. And um, and I, I I'm glad that we and I'm glad that our conversation about how to be how to have a presence in our community. Um, it took enough time that we kind of ran out of time to have a discussion about these things as well. But these are also ways in which we need to discuss uh, having the ministry, practicing the ministry presence, both in our culture and in our world. Hey, thanks for thanks for your discussion and, um, and your ideas. I appreciate it. Also, thank you for your attention. Okay. Anyone have any questions? about presence? Well, then... um, Can I suggest that maybe we would think through what is a good time for people to... Like, if if we did something consistent, whether it be salt night or something Mm -hmm. else, I mean, maybe over the course, like, between now and Tuesday night, we should evaluate our schedules. That's a good suggestion. Do they they do... How often does salt and light distribute food? So we're all going to be agreed. We're all evaluating our schedules. And Tuesday night at community group, we'll be prepared to discuss where our openings are. And at the same time, you guys are going to check with Salt and Light and see where they need the most help and see if we can find a match. And then is there someone who'd be willing to think about schools for us? We might want to talk to Amy Jenkins and see where there might be a need at. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, James already said that one of the schools that needs the most yeah. is King School. Where is that? It's true. It's like right, it's right across the street from where Ashley Scarborough moved. Yeah, that neighborhood, like right up from, right up on right from UV. Okay. You helped Ashley Scarborough move, didn't you? No, I don't know. Oh, you did. Okay. I have no idea where she. Okay, never mind. As far as I know, she lives in Las Vegas. If you go up right up, like if you go if you going up right, it's like on your way to Bradley. Yeah, it's like on Lincoln. Okay. Like, are you going to take a left at the stoplight there? Yeah, usually we have family video. It's like a scary neighborhood. Where used to deliver the paper? Okay, accent. Yeah, yeah, they have a ton of international students there. Really? Okay. They have tutors in different languages. Okay. King School. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll contact King School. Find out about... Yeah, I'll find out about that for Tuesday. 
I'll, 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 I'll come take it. It's cool. Alright, cool. I like action. Thanks, guys, for your cooperation and, 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 and commitment. And um, let's pray. And then you guys can pick up your kids. Keith, would you pray for us? Sure. Thank you, man. Father God, you challenge us today to uh, to be salt, to be light. Lord, we don't do this on our own. We can't do this in our own power, in our own minds, in our own wills, Lord, or we're not going to do it well. So Lord, I pray that you empower us, that you uh, grant us wisdom and discernment in what you want us as Redeemer to do as a church, that we would be a city set on a hill, that we would be salt, that we would be light, that we would... Uh, do good works that we may, that, that point to you, so that those who don't know you would give glory to you, Lord, so that we'd have opportunities to share your gospel, so that we would be your church and active, that is active in engaging this culture, this world, this community, um, with your transforming power, Lord. Empower us, work through us, and glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. So...